Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. Uh, my plan is, um, I've put on hold, uh, didn't do as you know, um, Bishop Barriga's diaries in September and um, I will be going back to them. But uh, as hopefully you all know, and if you don't know, um, I'm glad I'm doing these programs, there is something really heinous and evil that is being proposed and you'll see it on the ballot at the start of November, and it's called Proposal 3. Now, I was in my house the other day, I was watching um, Adoration on YouTube, and there was an ad come up, and, and I know from dealing with YouTube in the past, you can't prevent the ads from come up. And the ad that came up was very short, and it was an elderly woman who was asking me to vote for Proposal 3, and said that it was necessary because it was just putting back in place what Roe versus Wade being overturned had removed. I'd like to start off with telling you that is a lie. The only truth in that is that if, for example, God forbid, your neighbour killed your child, that you would then be able to kill every single member of their family. That's really how it equates. You'd still get to kill someone, but you'd be killing all their family. It is vastly more heinous and death-orientated than Roe versus Wade. So as we always do, let's start with the prayer for the cause of Bishop Madigan. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh God, thank you for the life and holiness of your servant, Frederick Madigan. I pray you will honour him by the title of saint. He dedicated himself completely to missionary activity to make you known, loved and served by the people who you love. As a man of peace and love, Barriga brought peace and love wherever he travelled. Lord, grant Venerable Bishop Barriga the grace of beatification. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I do have some guests and I will have for the next few weeks, but... Um, just a couple of observations before I um, introduce my guest. I want to try and set the tone for what I'm hoping to achieve with the programmes over the next uh, few weeks. So, as, as crazy as this might sound, this is a great time for us who are fighting the evil of abortion because it's in the forefront of everybody's mind now. Nobody can be complacent about it. Uh, Roe versus Wade getting overturned, as many of us knew, the fact it was being overturned just meant that the battle was now going to be really engaged because it's going to be engaged in, in states. And as our bishop said in a letter that he wrote to his priests and deacons, there's a real danger that Michigan is going to become a focal point, an epicentre, because of this Proposal 3 for the pro-death movement. And... Um, I might not keep using the term pro-death, so I think I might change it. I might talk about people who permit abortion, because not everybody who permits abortion, as I'm about to say, um, actually realises just what this all entails. So many people, maybe some of you, have been misinformed or have been taught poor logic or only had one-sided um, information on this regard and it kind of goes that Catholic Church outdated doesn't care um, politicians 
who want to permit these things care more and are more in tune with what's going on in society. So one of the things I'm hoping to do is let you see that that's not true. Now, if you're a faithful practicing Catholic, um, then you know that's not true. But there are plenty of Catholics out there who have voted for uh, abortion um, to a certain extent. And um, that's a, a great sadness because it's usually because they don't understand the complicity in that. Uh, but we need to engage not in arguments but in calm conversations with people and it makes it very difficult. I personally, and I think my two guests this, today feel the same way, it's very difficult to stay calm because it's so important. And when you're talking about issues that really have to do with lives, it can be very, very difficult. And, to be fair, many of the people who don't hold our position are also very sincere because they think that they're helping mothers or they're helping rape victims or they're helping poor people and and indeed they are but just they're missing something fundamental and that's what I'm hoping that we're able to convey, begin to convey to people that that's actually not where your discussion should should begin so we need to speak in a manner that um, that people can connect to. The difficulty is, as I just touched upon, that many people, um, when they use the word human, mean a different thing. Or they use the word person, and person is extremely important in this discussion. What is a person? And when does personhood start? And what are the consequences of having a different view of that? We must try to present our, our thoughts and feelings, not interrogate other people. As many of you have heard me say before, um, you'll have noticed that like, some evangelical um, in the street might come up to you and start quizzing you about, where does it say this? Where does it say that? Where does it say this? Where does it say that? Where does it say this? And they're well intended, but that usually just gets people's hackles up. We, we have to be careful that we're not interrogating people um, or being interrogated by people that what we're trying to do is present things and asking people to, to preferably or not reflect on them whether they're people of prayer or not trying to show the facts so one fact that um, is definite so we won't be discussing it is science will tell you that life begins at conception that's not something that any any person on either side of this debate um, disputes, apart from some very small amounts of radical people, and that's not saying this just as a Catholic priest, it's not open to discussion, really. When does, a, when does a puppy start life? Well, a puppy starts life when the sperm and the egg uh, get, well, the egg gets fertilised by the sperm. That's when human life begins. That should not be a discussion or an argument with anybody. It's as simple as that. And if that's news to you, then fair enough. But it's not something... You, you go ask a doctor, and a doctor, he might get uncomfortable because he'd have to tell you the truth. But the truth of the reality is that human life begins when an egg gets 
successfully fertilized by a sperm. That's when human life starts. As an aside, as a Catholic priest, that's why we celebrate the Annunciation on the 25th of March. Uh, the Annunciation was, for the first couple hundred years in the Church, a bigger thing than Christmas Day. Christmas Day was just happened to be when, when the God-man saw the light of day, but he was already on earth in his mother's womb. So, that's important. We don't want to make people um, defendants in a legal argument. What we want is to present things to people that are facts and ask them to make a judgment because that's not what people have been presented with. We also need to realise, as I mentioned earlier on, that many people who are um, permissive of abortion don't actually think that uh, that a human being is being killed because they, by human being, they mean person. And Hillary Clinton, when she was running for president, this is not a political statement, this is something she said. She said that, she used the term embryo, an embryo may be a human being, but they're not a person. That's the fundamental question. What do you think a person is? And that's... Nobody can deny that it is a human being. What they deny is usually, or some version of it, whether or not it's a person. This is not about political parties. None of this stuff that we are discussing should have anything to do with politics because this is about um, the future of the human race. It's not a political question. Just as an aside though, um, you can check this, there aren't too many human beings on the planet. All these things that people like Al Gore and Ted Turner, who owns T um, TNT, is it TNT? Yeah, who said that the world would all be um, drying up and there's too many human beings. There isn't too many human beings. Just as an aside. So remember that when we're talking to people about this issue, and this could perhaps apply to yourself, you don't always know the... I, I tell people this when I start teaching classes. People often don't know what they don't know. But they think they do. And sometimes that's because there are too many other things going on in their life. Um, or they've been too busy doing certain things to actually focus on what is the, the actual necessary of, of this issue. And generally speaking, when people don't know a subject, if they're from Western culture, they tend to go for the compromise. So the compromise is the middle road. But the middle road here is usually involves some kind of acceptance of killing of human beings and, and accepting what is a person and when does a person start becoming a person. That's generally been the compromise and that will be the case with almost, almost everyone you know. They don't know enough about the subject. They have taken a compromise position and then got themselves entrenched with it because of loyalties either to particular politicians or a particular party or because they don't want to admit they don't know what it is that they're, that they're being asked to weigh up in. Now you look at all the positions that people um, 
often think that uh, abortion is a good idea or should be permitted. And it's often got to do with a compassion, a very sincere compassion, but it's a compassion that is starting after the fact. So why would somebody who's raped have to be put through um, having a, a child that will just remind them of the rape? Well, the compassion there is for the mother who's been subjected to a really obviously evil act which should be fully punished. That's the compassion there. Or poverty. Poor people who can't afford to have more children um, shouldn't be made to have children. The compassion there is for people who have got poverty. Poverty is a terrible thing. So generally speaking, people who you're talking to, and maybe some of you are listening, we all understand you're doing it with the best intentions. There's a compassion involved in this. But it's a misplaced compassion because you haven't fully understood what a person is. And don't turn off the radio just because I said you didn't understand something. There's many things we don't understand. And it's really important. This is a fundamental thing to understand what a person is. What personhood is. And it's extremely important. We all agree miscarriages are terrible things. Because there are two people dying. Ectopic pregnancies are terrible things. You're going to be told by politicians and on news stations and in advertisements that in order to have proper care for people who have had miscarriages or ectopic pregnancies that you'll have to vote for Proposal 3. That is not true. That's already happening. We do not need Proposal 3 in order to, to make sure that women are getting proper care. I'm nearly finished with my opening remarks and then I'll, I'll introduce my guests and we'll move on. But So what is a person? It's a question. People get confused and they talk. So generally speaking, for those of us who are against these things, when we say human, we mean a person. For many people that you are here talk about this in the public forum, when they're saying human, they mean a human being, not a person. For many of them, uh, their, their definition of personhood is self-sustaining, which we may go into, that's clearly not a good definition, or viable, and so that's also not a particularly good one. Whereas for us, it's very simple. Conceived equals person. For many people, and this is a philosophical position, it's not a scientific one. Science tells you human beings start when an egg is is fertilized by a sperm. That's when human life starts. For us, that same thing is when, when a person happens. An individual person happens at that time. But for many of you, many of the arguments that you might hold on to or you might have heard, they're not using the term human the way that, that we are. They're talking about humans being a thing, an animal, not a person. And that's what need to, we all need to be clear that we're talking about a person 
and it's not a you can't separate being a human being from being a person but perhaps we'll get into that generally speaking um, there are only three arguments that people who hold that about abortion is a good thing there's only three arguments that they use everything is one of these three arguments one, personhood so the individual is not a person therefore you can kill them Two, circumstances. Now, circumstances uh, is the most common one. Um, and circumstances assumes that the person in the womb is not a person. So, therefore, like rape. So, rape is a circumstance. That's a woman has been raped. She uh, becomes pregnant. She's carrying a person. But the presumption that um, the circumstances and the presumption is that it's not a person. The rape's terrible because I, I, sometimes you can kind of sadly say you can see a person, you can't see a non-person. Uh, some of that is what's going on here. But generally the first is personhood. So the person's not, the, the child in the womb is not a person. The circumstances assume that they're not a person. Or the last one, which is not so common nowadays, is that um, bodily rights. So they accept that the woman is a person and the baby is a person, but the baby is not as important as the woman. So the choice should always be for the woman. That goes back again partly to the what do you see. Now, one of the ways that you can talk about about this, particularly uh, the circumstantial one, is you talk about a neonate, so a child that's just come out of the womb. If a woman was raped, for example, a woman was raped and she doesn't have a termination uh, because she doesn't tell anybody she was raped and then she gives birth and you're in the, the labour suite and then she says, oh, I was raped. Would you then think it was okay to take the baby and kill it? And by a rule of thumb, if you can't apply the rule, this argument to a brand new baby who's just come through the birth canal, then logic should tell you it shouldn't be compared, applied to a baby who's in the womb. There was a Canadian uh, girl did a great YouTube video on that called The Magic Birth Canal. And um, if you type in a search, you'll see that. It's very powerful, conveys that very correctly. So that's that's the underlying position that we're all coming from. We don't want people to feel that we're condemning them. We understand that often people are well-intended, but that doesn't apply to Proposition 3, Proposal 3, as we will find over the next couple of weeks. And as a rule of thumb, if you hold a position, I would ask you to reflect on What's the difference between a neonate and the child still inside the mother's womb just hasn't come through the birth canal? And after all, the average birth canal is only something like uh, seven centimetres long. And it really, what is the difference there? Okay, so I have two guests with me. Um, they are, uh, well, I'll 
they're active members in a pro-life group in Alpina. I'll get them to introduce themselves. So, Angie King and Kristen Caribou. Okay, so they're both um, both mothers, both good kids, and um, actually, all three of us have all been uh, fallen away Catholics. Mm-hmm. Haven't we? You were well. I wasn't Catholic. Catholic yes, at you're a convert, but then you converted, and then weren't so kind of easy ozy. <laughs> I don't know if I would say that. Okay, well, that's fine. But we were. Angie and I were following yeah, the Catholics, yeah, yeah. right? We were cradle sure. Catholics, mm-hmm. and we we uh, we weren't quite uh, well. We were actually weren't good Catholics at all. Yeah. Um, so. Um, this is not something that we've always held. Correct. Right? So before that applied to you as well. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So so um to a certain extent, to one sense or another, we've been on the other side of the fence, whether we were actively arguing against, but um certain so so from my point of view, I, I was very much of the uh, I'm a guy, so I, I have no I shouldn't be commenting on this, which is, frankly is a ridiculous position, but it suited me. So, um, so I meant also I could get up to anything I liked because I could walk away from circumstances. So I don't know, if, Angie, what your kind of position was. If it was ten uh, years ago, I would have said um, it's my right to make that decision. Nobody else can tell me that I have to have a child. It's my life. You don't have to live my life. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, and in my teenage years, um, I was very much, well, I would never do something like that, but if someone else wanted to choose that, who am I to tell them they shouldn't? Okay, right. So, um, obviously for, well, not obviously, but for me, part of what changed my um, thinking on that was coming back to practice my faith. Because I delivered babies, I'd, I'd seen the the wonder of of that, and it is a truly wonderful thing. Um, but even then, it did that didn't in, impact me. But what did? And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to share something now that I've never shared publicly ever, even in a homily. So for two months, once while I was um, planning on moving to the states, I was assigned to go and work in a unit that did abortions. I didn't have to, for conscious reasons, I didn't have to take the, the girls, and most of them were girls, didn't have to take them into the, the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I had to look after them afterwards. So, they would often come in, very, very vulnerable young people, very rarely was there anybody over 20, but anyway. Um, and most of the time, it wasn't their boyfriends that was with them. It was friends or their mothers. And then, while they were in having the procedure, flowers would arrive. This happened to almost every single one. And the flowers would be from the father of the child, usually, and said something like, uh, Love you, doll. Thanks. Uh, it's great. Uh, this won't make a difference. And I can tell you that every time I went in, in order to bring a girl back from the operating suite, 
that it had made a huge difference. But one of the most horrific things was I got to know a girl because in those two months she was in twice. And she was only 17. And I had done, um, I'd worked in what's called a well women's clinic back when I lived in Glasgow. And um, I'd I'd actually dealt with a lot of uh, prostitutes. And uh, there was one particular uh, girl, 23, um, had already been sterilised and had four abortions and had two kids, one of whom had uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is a not something to go into now. Um, but even that didn't touch me, the way the hypocrisy of, or how abandoned in many ways these girls were. And we did have a girl who bled out. And I just kept thinking to myself, there's something not right here. The way these young women are being treated, just something not right. And, and anytime I've read about... Um, um, backstreet abortions and there's a whole lot of mythology about about the realities of that um, as we know um, I don't imagine that it was a whole lot different from what I what I saw and that was the things that really got me thinking this is not this is not right and it wasn't for my faith I wasn't practicing the faith at the time it just wasn't right mm-hmm. uh, I saw so many abandoned young women. And then, of course, I began to find out that the suicide rate is higher. Alcoholism, alcoholism is higher. Uh, infertility is higher. Um, mm-hmm. uh, going into prostitution is higher. And, and then you begin, you, the more I looked into it, the more I began to find out that everybody's a victim. The nurses are victims. The doctors that do it are victims. Um, obviously, the children are victims. But the, the girls are, are victims. There's no positive side to, to this at all. And, um, I can't believe that I ever held any other, other, other position in it because, um, I've never forgotten those images. And I just don't, I don't mention them when, when I'm preaching because, um, I can't convey correctly. I don't even know if I'm doing it now. I can't convey correctly the, just the horror of it. The horrible things that were happening in those young women's lives. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what changed me. What about you guys? Um, well, for me, I had this discussion with my boyfriend, who is now my husband. Um, I, and I don't even remember how the topic came up. And, you know, I shared, you know, how I felt about it. And he said, well, why do you think it's wrong? For yourself. And so I told him, you know, this is a baby. It would be this life that's growing inside. And I just could not do that. And he said, well, then if you think that that's a baby and that's a person, why then would you allow, would you say it's right for someone else and it's okay for someone else? So it was the first time I saw that as a human right, not just a woman's right. So your boyfriend w- witnessed to that? Yeah. Right? He didn't tell me what to yeah, think. Yeah, you know, he, he, w- but he witnessed to know. it. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it got me thinking, you know, shifting that. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
if I think it's wrong because that child, that potential child growing inside of me as a person with rights, why would it be okay for someone else? But why what, would I allow what was that? Your, what was your, do you, if you remember, what was your logical argument for not thinking it was anything to do with your business? I don't think there was a whole lot of thought to it. That's just, you know, growing up in the 90s, you know. You're not going to judge. I, I yeah, whatever. Yeah. You you yeah. do you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My body, my choice. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Angie, what, about you? what What was the things that helped you change? Um, well, when I was 19, I had an abortion. Um, the, the baby that I aborted was around eight or nine weeks. Um, and I just sort of blew it off. Didn't tell anybody. Um, I kept that to myself and I just stuffed it down and for the next however many years, probably 15 years, I, um, was very pro-choice, very adamant Mm -hmm. that if I hadn't made that decision, I wouldn't have the life I have now. Um, did you get any counseling at all? No. Nothing? Nothing. You asked and they said, okay. They, yeah, I just said, I need to, I, I need to end this. And, um, I, my, drove down to wherever I drove, Saginaw, I think it was. And I, there's so much of it that I don't even remember sure. clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought I was doing fine for years and years after, and I was a staunch supporter of, nope, nobody can tell me what to do with my body. You shouldn't be able to, to make that decision for someone. It wasn't until um, right before... I got pregnant with my third child. Uh, I had a miscarriage at very early on, probably like four weeks. Um, and it was so devastating to me. And I thought the baby that I killed was even further along. And I never... Oh, I see. Yes. Losing that child, yeah. that... Yeah was quote-unquote wanted, mm-hmm. you know, versus unwanted. Um, and that hit me like a ton of bricks. And from that moment on, I was like, no, it, that's not right. It's um, Actually, you, you touch upon, um, it's a strange thing that, isn't it, the difference between wanted, not wanted? Because mm-hmm. that's almost, for, for many people, that's almost the decision of what makes somebody, what makes somebody a person. Mm-hmm. If you're wanted or not wanted. Right. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. I was afraid. You know, I was so afraid that my parents were going to disown me and I was going to be such a disappointment. And I, but instead of like telling someone, mm-hmm. if if I had told anyone, someone who had said to me, nope, you can get through this. You can, mm-hmm. we'll help you. Um, was, was there help out there? Did you know if there was help out there? What was the... Because you know, that's one of the things with this proposal, isn't it? This proposal mm-hmm. three is trying to imply that there's no help out there for people without Roe versus Wade. I didn't even look for help. I, okay. I was I was living, I was still living at home with my parents. Um, all I had in my head was, I'm never 
gonna I'm never gonna get a good job I'm gonna struggle the rest of my life my parents are gonna hate me um my friends are gonna you know think I'm a loser I I just was so afraid that I wouldn't tell anybody I told the one person who drove me to the clinic um and that that was it and I, I didn't know a lot about what it was I just knew it was gonna make it go away okay. and I was going to be able to continue living my life and not have to admit that I messed up. Right. But I never thought about it being my son or my daughter. Mm-hmm. Not once. So. And I, I, you're not alone in that, of course. I, I think the, the um, people don't think that there's help. They, they often... And now, of course, now the, the, the difference between when you were facing that and now is that it, it's begin, people are beginning to see um, termination as a viable contraception mm-hmm. because the statistics and the danger and the horror of the, the scars that it leaves, physical scars and psychological scars that it leaves on people, they don't publish it. They're not. They're mm-hmm. not told, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, if I understand correctly, in um, one of the things that that proposal three will prevent is um, people from getting help. Post, they won't be able to say, um, "I had an abortion. I need help because I've got I've got nightmares or I got or addictions and things like that." Because um, it's all going to be untouchable, everything about it. Um, and, and we're actually in danger of abandoning women even more mm-hmm. to to try to work all this out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what about if if you're now talking to, and I used to do some street counselling, but if you're, how, how would you speak to... Uh, a woman who's facing um, what, what is obviously a very serious trauma in their, their lives and um, feels that that's their only option. What would you say? What would you say now, Angie? To, if, you, if you could speak to yourself, your well, 19-year-old self. I would say, tell, tell your mom, tell your parents, because I think that then, I mean, now I have a wonderful close relationship with my parents but as a teenager because really 19 you're an adult but you're not really an adult um and back then it just wasn't I didn't hear abortion talked about a lot and nobody had ever talked to me about really what it meant or what it was I would just tell any any girl just it it can be solved this a very permanent solution to, um, you know, something that can be worked through and solved, and that there are people who will help you. And I've told my own daughter, if you ever find yourself in that situation, don't think twice about coming to me. I, I would never, you know, turn you away. I would never be disappointed. I would just help you however I could. And if it were a matter of you know, you having an abortion or me raising that baby, you know, you just say the word. I, there are people out there who feel so strongly about that and 
there's always someone willing to help, but you have to, you have to say it. You have to tell somebody because that was my thing. I didn't, I didn't tell a soul really. And I never asked for help other than, can you drive me to this appointment? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Just before that, um, you guys, do, do you, do your group, do you have an, an email that people can contact you guys? In case, in case somebody hears it, in case, I'm just thinking as you're talking, there could be people out there who are hearing this and thinking, I need to be able to reach out to someone further. I need that. I can't talk to people around me. Um, well, so we have an email for our pro-life group, but it's, we're not counselors. Um, we, are, we aren't really equipped for that, um, but we do have a wonderful resource for women um, and families in Alpena and it's Options Pregnancy Center. Um, and their website is optionspregnancycenter.org. And if you go right to their webpage, there's a telephone number. They have a phone that somebody has all the time, 24 hours a day. So, Okay. Um, what kind of stuff do they offer? Um, right now they're trying to raise the funds for an ultrasound machine. But they offer... Um, you know, a, a woman can come there and sort of get some counseling, some information to find out, you know. This is pre, pre, well, well when you're still pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, but can, do they also offer post-pregnancy help as well? Yes, they have. Don't they offer clothes and, and, um, and, f- and feed and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I think? And counseling if you, you know, if you need help right. um, that way. But, yeah, they have, um, if they don't have the service there, they will lead you to the service that you need. So if you're looking for help with um, uh, clothes or diapers or um, if you're maybe struggling for employment, if they don't have the resource there, they will get you in touch with an agency or someone who can help you. Okay. Um, What about some of the pressures that women are put under? in the world today. How would you as you're both actually you're both mothers and working as well. Mm-hmm. Um what about somebody who might be listening to this and, and they think it's the end of their career. Or they're pressured by their their the father of the child, whether it be their spouse or whether it be their boyfriend or something like that. Um that if you get pregnant we're done. If you have a child we're done. What, what kind of advice would you, you give? Well, you've both got daughters. You've both got adult daughters, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So this is not something that neither one of you will have ever have thought of. Would, would, rather, you would have thought of these things mm-hmm. because of the ages of your daughters. So what advice, what would you say to, to any women, regardless of her age, who might be having uh, those kind of pressures? Well, one, um, I would say... You're not alone. You may feel alone in your struggle. Um, and I, I keep thinking all of the, um, things that, um, people who uh, are advocates for abortion tell you you can't do. Um, you can't have a good career. You can't start your family early because that means that you'll be poor your whole life as if being poor is sinful. Um, There's a lot of can'ts with abortion, but the pro-life movement 
um, is all about you can, you can have a good life with, with an unplanned pregnancy, whether that looks like um, you carrying your baby and raising your baby yourself, or if you need help, or if you're looking for um, adoption options, it's very much you can. You can have a good life. It's not the end where abortion is often all the can'ts, what you okay. can't so do. So before Angie answers, um, but it's a different kind of life, isn't it? It is, and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's that, that's the thing. I, I, so many over the years, people I've known who have no idea how a child would change their life. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, and so there are differences. You can't, you know, there are consequences to all the decisions we make in life, as we mm-hmm. all know. It's one of the great mainstays of our faith. There are consequences to, act, to actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not saying to people, you won't have to change things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you will have to change things. But that doesn't mean to say that it's a bad thing to, to change. Right. Um, so Our culture is so against any kind of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. Because if you do end up with an unexpected pregnancy, you are going to have to sacrifice in some way or another mm-hmm. to carry that baby to term, to give it a life, to raise it if you choose to. I mean, mm-hmm. That's like, a, you know, that's a cardinal sin to people today is to have to give up something of your quote-unquote happiness for someone else or something else because they're all about what makes you happy? You do what makes you happy, but the I think that what's missing is understanding. It's happiness and joy are two different things, right. and a child actually brings you joy. And coming closer together with your your family members um, or your friends, people who help you through it, there's a joy in that to know that you have community and you're not alone. And then you get to see your beautiful child grow up in front of your eyes and become, you know, a beautiful woman. Yeah, so would it be fair for me to say, speaking as a man, mm-hmm. that any man who would be party to pressurising a woman into uh, having a, an abortion doesn't love her? Absolutely. Because I ain't love, is it? Love doesn't look like that. No. Love is yeah. sacrificing. Yeah. Love yeah. is, I will, it doesn't matter what it takes, we'll get through this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I um, found myself in similar circumstances as you, Angie, um, at 18 with an unexpected pregnancy Um, and telling my parents was the hardest thing. That was the hardest thing for me to do. And I never questioned whether they would love me, Mm -hmm. but I knew that they would be disappointed. Mm -hmm. That initial disappointment of, um, but after that, once once that was done, like once I, you know, got the courage to tell them, then everything else, although still difficult, fell into place. You know, my daughter, who came before we were married, um, was just as loved as the four that came after. So, yeah, but it did change. Like you said, it did change. Um what I thought my future would look like. Um, but I can't imagine it 
any differently. I remember um, years and years and years ago, my mother's mother, my grandmother, very devout uh, Catholic mother. I've never forgotten this. I must have been, she died when I was nearly 12, so I think I must have been about 10 or 11. I remember her once saying to someone, you know, being pregnant isn't a reason for getting married, but it's a reason for joy. And yeah. that's, I've never forgotten that because, um, and, I, and I thought, and I've, I mean, I know that uh, obviously, as you know, I'm close to my parents, but um, I could see why my mother is such, um, never doubted that her mother loved her mm-hmm. because that that's a statement of whatever, like you said earlier on, whatever you do, tell me. Because I can't help you if you don't tell me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Don't right. don't do something secretive because you do try and do something secretive. That's uh, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, whatever that is, how can I how can I, I help you? Yes. And and one of the things, and we've got like fifteen minutes to go in this dis, this discussion, but let's now talk about as parents what proposal three will would mean for taking power from parents Mm -hmm. and grandparents Mm -hmm. and actually feeding in to the... In fact, you you said it at 19. You call you an adult. You ain't really an adult. Uh, But but we're now talking about empowering organisations and individuals to make decisions um, where we never used to even let them vote. So... Let's look at some of, let's talk about some of that, some of these things. As parents, as mothers, um, what are the things that really have jumped out at you about Proposal 3 that are um, very, very concerning, if not terrifying? So who wants to go first? Um, the scariest thing to me is the thought that, you know, I think back how scared I was at 19 years old, but if I were, say, a 15-year-old, um, and now the thought that a 15-year-old, scared, doesn't want to confront their parents with this, can go to um, a friend's parent or a teacher or a counselor and possibly procure an abortion without even the parents even knowing, um, I, I have a hard time knowing that I took away my parents' grandchild but if I had, you know, if I were in their shoes, I, that would be upsetting to me. And, now, and let me add something to that, as you were saying that, because it, as I understand it, and as we, more radio programs come out, we'll talk about the specifics of this. But as I understand that, that 15-year-old who's gone through a horror, she's confused and things like that, she also could ask to be sterilized so this never happens to her again. Absolutely. Yeah. It leaves it wide open for that. Okay. Yeah, there's no age. Um, the, the terminology um, is very vague, so there's nothing that says adult or a specific age. So basically, these rights, the right to procure an abortion, sterilization, there is no age limit beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just just in case, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think, well, that kind of thing just doesn't go on. Um, the law is in Britain are that down to the age of 14, a school 
can take you to have a termination and tell your parents after the fact. So that's the law in Britain. So for people who think that kind of thing doesn't happen in the Western world, of course it happens. And this, this doesn't even say that you have to tell the parents afterwards. Yeah, no. So if there were any complications um, because of the abortion or sterilization, if there were any infections or anything, any follow-ups, as a parent, you would have no idea that your child, your minor child, just had surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even some of the, the hormone treatments and things like that um, have some major risks to them, and you wouldn't even know that your child potentially was taking them. One of the things that, that occurred to me as I was reading through this, this proposal um, it, and many of people who are listening to this may well have met people like this. Um, when you're at seminary, you come across guys who are there. And the reason why they're there is because they've been dumped three times or a couple of times by girls. So they think they're not meant to be married, so they must meant to be a priest. And of course, if that goes through and they become a priest, uh, celibacy is not something you should take on lightly. Um and I was thinking back to the first time that um, that I split up with a with a a, um, a girl, and um, people get very confused when that kind of thing happens. You know, whether they're the one who's doing the split or the one who's receiving the split, they get very confused, um, and they don't know what does this mean. And and I thought she or he was the one, and stuff like that, and. This, these laws, if I understand again correctly from, from the reading that I've been doing, there's no counselling offered. It's, had, it's on request. You can get radical things done to you on request. You could ask for sterilisation on request. Or if you decide, well, the reason why I can't get a girlfriend is because I'm actually, I am a woman. We know how confused people get. People get very, very confused. Yeah, there's no provision for that. It just says if you want this, basically, you can have it. It doesn't give an age. It just it's based on consent. Um, very vague language. Well, when I when I saw the the bishops, um, uh, and I'm looking at one of the things here now, and I, I saw that the they're calling it the anything goes. At first, I thought mm-hmm. I I don't know if I that that seems a bit. Um, Dramatic. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly mm-hmm. the word. A bit dramatic. I was thinking that. Can't, but then I started reading it, mm-hmm. the yeah. the consequences. And of course, people are not going to see this on the ballot. And one of the things that no. I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to give out what they're going to see on the ballot. But um, it, it's it really is anything goes. Well, yes, and no consequences. No, no, no consequences. Well, sorry, no legal consequences right. to be had. There right. are plenty, mm-hmm. going to be plenty of consequences. Right, right. Because I've seen this to the parish. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. Um, me being a, an RN, I could set up an abortion clinic in my garage. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to meet any health and exactly. I don't need to meet any health. You don't need to. Be and there'll a be doctor. no and there'll be no consequences you to. It. You just to be a healthcare professional. professional. Right. But healthcare professional in Michigan also includes school counselors, acupuncturists, dentists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so what 
what this proposal will do is it can take the existing laws in Michigan and nullify them so that so they're no longer so in regards to abortions and anything surrounding abortions mm -hmm. so um, health and safety inspections might go away um, for abortion clinics for abortion clinics yes but a nail salon would be different okay so mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of time left but if, if you guys are not able to do it, I, I can do it. Tell people who might never have read the book or seen the movie what Gosnell's, Kermit Gosnell's oh, clinic was like. Horrific. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, and it had been in, in, in inspected? Yeah. No. No. They wouldn't touch it. Yes. Because. because okay, so describe what was, ha what was his clinic like. It was a horror story. Um, there were. Um, cats running through the clinic, uh, defecating all over. There were bloody instruments being reused on women. There were um, human remains of the babies that were aborted that were stored anywhere in the clinic. Um, the refrigerator, the cupboards, it, it was absolutely horrific. Um, okay, so this is from Victorian times are you talking about? Um, no. <laughs> no. No. So when are we talking about? Well, he's still in jail now, yeah. right? So we are talking about the last within. He started abortions in the 60s asked by a group of uh, evangelical African-American ministers to do it, sadly. So he thought he was doing God's work. Um but this was a progression of things. And then, I can't remember the other man's name, but the one with the German name, who had 200 dead babies in his oh, house, yes. and he also had them in the trunk of his car. Yes, um, it's horrific. And none of this, now, under this Proposal 3, none of this would be touchable. No. Correct. It, it, would, it would take away all of the, the um, legal... Um, law, the things that we have on the books already to, for these protections that we have. So, um, partial birth abortion, um, the majority of Americans do not agree with a par partial birth abortion. Um, Michigan does not allow partial birth abortion under this. That would, that would be wiped away. Mm -hmm. So we've already voted and said we don't want that. Yeah, it'll it'll be the law. So the it would, law there would be stricter laws applied to getting your ears pierced mm. than having an abortion. Father Scott, I cannot, I cannot. Um, my son, who is still in high school, could cannot have Tylenol on his person without a written permission from myself or my husband that says he can take that at school. This would allow a minor to have surgery, to have an abortion without a, a life, parent. potentially life-threatening yes, right. procedure. Right, but but you can't take a Tylenol at school without parent consent. It's not just the abortion aspect to it; it's the um, where it leads into it's like you said, gender confused children, gender confused teenagers. 
um, that kind of... Which is almost all teenagers, actually. Right, when you think about it. There's a lot of that, particularly in the present world. And there's a lot of, I think, where I was a tomboy when I was young. Mm. I never felt like a boy. I never, but I like to wear jeans. I didn't want to wear a dress. Um, But a lot of times now you see a kid like that and there's somebody watching them wanting to encourage that sort of behavior. Mm. And it's scary. And this amendment would open the doors for surgery that can't be... Can't be corrected. Yeah, puberty puberty blockers. People don't know what that stuff is going to do to your kid in radical mastectomies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's so many people, so many voices that have had this kind of treatment. The regret, yeah, later on in life is overwhelming. Yeah, I believe the um, uh, and people can check this if they want. Mm -hmm. But people who have had. Transgender surgery, I believe the suicide rate is over 42%. So, okay, we're in the last few minutes. So, as voters, as mothers, as wives, what is your message to your fellow Michiganders in regard to Proposal 3? I would say that, first and foremost, it is not a partisan issue. It is not Republican versus Democrat, liberal versus conservative. We're talking about your child. And even if you believe that abortion should be okay in some circumstances, do you want the school counselor to be able to take your daughter to get an abortion at 14 or 15 years old and you never have a say in that? It's about parental and rights. That also applies to grandparents as well, as well doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Kristen, last words from you. I would, I would um, ask people to read as much as you can on Proposal 3 so that you fully understand what the ramifications are of this. I would also ask people to come out of their comfort zone, um, be courageous, and start talking about this with other people. Um, There is the side that um, feeds off of fear, and we're not people of fear. We um, Be courageous. Talk to others about it. Because it is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't. I don't think um, there's been um, such an important thing facing the people of Michigan um, because if it's an amendment. It's not just a law. It's an amendment. Mm-hmm. So as I understand that it could take a long time to sort it mm-hmm. if it was passed. And there are and other states lies, waiting and to see and what happens in Michigan. Yeah, and there are mm-hmm. lies being told to people about it. Absolutely. So like you both said, educate yourselves. Absolutely. Be aware. Educate yourselves and educate at least one other person. Right. That's At least one other person. Okay. So let's end with um, supplication to Our Lady for guidance and help, excuse me, and the saving of all the people involved in this as we pray together. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you and keep you safe. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. Excellent.